0: Third part in our series at the moment on our identity in Christ. Um, it's not our identity in crisis, but our identity in Christ. And I think it's uh, I think it's something that's really important for us to dig into. And um, we, we're on a bit of a journey leading towards this place of really saying, okay, what is it? What is it to be those who say we find our identity in Christ? And I, I felt that as we've been leading into this, what we've been doing over the past couple of weeks is looking at the journey leading up to that moment. So there's something about knowing where we've come from that gives us a a real appreciation for what we now have in Christ, right? The Old Testament is just this incredible picture of how good and how good, how incredibly gracious Jesus is and what He's accomplished on the cross and covered in the Old Testament. And so in a similar way, what we're doing, we're spending some time in this Old Testament text looking at what's become known as the Exodus. And we've been looking at the, the people in uh, in Egypt that are caught um, up in slavery. We've been looking at, at them and um, what's been happening in, in their world. And for over 400 years, they've been largely identified as slaves. They've been identified by others and they've identified themselves as slaves. And so it's not just become something that they are doing, but it's become who they are and it's entrenched so deeply in them over a 400 year period as well. So we're looking, we're looking at what it's taken to get them from a place of moving from an identity of slavery to a new identity and, and what that new identity in is much more important than what the identity was. And so their identity was slaves, But now God wants to establish them in a new identity. He gives them freedom and and he wants to draw them in and and to find their identity no longer as slaves, but as sons and daughters with him as their father. And I think it's good for all of us to hear that this morning and to know that that's God's desire for every one of us. His desire is that we are sons and daughters. And I think if we were to do a self-evaluation, I think we would be quite surprised that how many attitudes and actions we see in ourselves at times that are not those of a son and daughter. But they are those of potentially a slave mindset or a servant mindset or even an orphan mindset. And so I want to challenge and encourage us this morning to take a look at ourselves. This is not some story in the Old Testament. This is a story as pertinent for you and me today as it was then. They, they were given this, this, uh, this gift of freedom. But the thing about freedom is that it's probably one of the most difficult things that we've ever been given is this gift of freedom. Because learning how to steward and how to manage our freedom is really hard. And if we don't have our identity deeply rooted and established in Christ, in God himself as our father, then that freedom actually becomes something that can become a problem for us. Because it's learning how to trust him as our father and it's learning how to rely on him for his provision and his protection that establishes us as sons and daughters. Their identity, these Israelites, was so wrapped up in slavery that when they were given this gift of freedom, so freely, they were so caught up in their previous identity, they, they had zero trust for God or, or trust for Moses. They had learned to, to not trust anyone in authority that they actually started getting mad with Moses and they wanted to go back to their old lifestyle of slavery. They couldn't see that this new life for them was potentially better than the old. And I think that's a word for all of us to hear is that we need to embrace what God is doing in our lives and not become so accustomed to the norm that, and so comfortable with that that we won't embrace the change of what God wants to do in us and through us. Because the promise is it's so much better, but the challenge for us to walk into that and to embrace and to trust God is significantly more difficult, isn't it? So I want to challenge and encourage us this morning to say, will you embrace what God's doing? Will you check your own heart and see where you're being a son and daughter versus a slave or an orphan or a, or a, or a servant? And I, as I've done that for myself, I'm saying, gee, God, there's some real attitudes and areas of my life that I need to make some adjustments in. I'm not behaving like a son right now. So let's just keep moving on here, um, because there's a few things that we've we, we've been through and we've talked through about that God took them into the desert specifically for a few reasons. He didn't take them to a lush plantation. He took them to the desert, and there's something about the nothing of the, the nothingness of the desert that taught them a reliance on Him that was essential. It taught them to trust in Him for their protection, for their provision. It taught them To trust in Him that their best opportunity to not only survive in life, but to thrive was actually found in Him and Him alone. And that's a key thing that every one of us should take note of. The best way for us to thrive in good times, in tough times, is a trust in Him. God's driving purpose in all of this was one thing and one thing alone. It was love. God was motivated by love love for us, love for his people. And all he wanted to do was to give them their best. I know as a father, sometimes I will do anything and everything, and I will do all I can to give my children the best that they can have. I will, I will lay my life down for them to have the best. The truth of it though, is as a parent, and I see it often, especially with their mom is they don't recognize the gift. They actually get mad with the boundaries. They get frustrated. They don't see that it's motivated by love and care for them. And I think sometimes in ourselves and certainly in these people of of Israel stuck in the desert, that's something that they were dealing with. God provided everything in the midst of this time. They had everything they needed. They had manna, but they they had everything they wanted as well. They had quail. (laughs) I just find that amazing, God's graciousness in that story. Uh, He gave them clear direction. And, and leadership. There was the cloud by day and the fire by night. And He gave them Himself. Uh, he gave them protection, provision. He gave them leadership and direction. But the greatest gift of all was that He gave them Himself. And we see that His glory covered the mountain. We went through that last week. And, and, and His presence was with them in the entire time of the desert. And I want to encourage and challenge us this morning to recognize this might be a desert season for us. But I want to say recognize God's provision, His protection. Recognize God's clear leadership and direction in the midst of this. And recognize that His glory is with us. I feel like there is a pronounced sense of His presence in this season more than what we're used to. And part of that is because we're choosing to attune our ears a little more carefully to His presence and what He's saying. So church, I want to challenge and encourage you, no matter where you're at, To recognize God has a plan. We need to hear that today. God has a plan for you. And it's a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Let's pick up the story in Joshua 1. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to that. And just as you're getting ready for that, I want to bring us to the point in this story where... um, there's a moment in time where they've been in the desert for all this time, but suddenly the day arrives. It's 40 years later, and they're going to cross over the Jordan River. God basically says to them, the time has come, and you are ready. You are ready to cross. And there's these powerful words that he speaks, and we see it recorded in 1 Peter 2 verse 10. It says this, once you had no identity as a people, But now you are God's people. Isn't that powerful? Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Every one of us needs to hear that this morning. Once you and I had no identity, but now we are God's people. And just let that sink in. The magnificence and the magnitude of that message. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. 1 Peter 2 verse 10 powerful. Read it, remember it, write it down. So let's pick up the story in Joshua chapter one. I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to jump around a bit because I just want to, for the sake of time, uh, move through this quickly. But I want to encourage you to take the time to read through the story. It's powerful and there's much in this for us. I also want to encourage you to recognize something. There's a number of verses in here that you'll probably recognize and go, oh yeah, I know that verse. Or yeah, I've heard someone say that often. Or, or that verse means so much to me. I want to, I, want to, I want to encourage you to recognize how many verses in this portion of Scripture, God, it's such a rich time in the desert, the, the desert time for these people, that, that God speaks so much to them that to this day, these are significant verses for us. So let's read. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to all the Israelites. I think there's a moment sometimes where we need to be reminded there's something that has passed, something has died, and it will never be the same again. Let's not try and resurrect that. Let's, let's settle that and let's move forward into the next thing that God has for us. And I think this season we're in is one of the t- those times Let's not try and resurrect what was. Let's embrace the new and move forward into what God has for us. And then verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Have you heard that one before? Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Have you heard this one before? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it And then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so then Joshua uh, gets the people together, gets the priests together. And he says, get your supplies ready. Because three days from now, we're going to be going and we're going to be crossing into our our promised land. And we're going to jump to Joshua chapter 3. Verse two, and it says, after three days, the officers went through the camp. Joshua three, verse two, giving orders to the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. And then a scripture that comes that just seems to be so confusing and so right at the same time. Verse four, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. That's the nature of God that says, you will know where to go because I am with you. Although you've never been this way before, trust me, you will know where to go because I am with you. And I feel that's a word we all need to hear this morning. You will know where to go because God is with you. And Joshua then told the people in verse 5, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. I am want to stop a moment in that recognize that God speaks to the leaders. If you're a leader here this morning in any sphere of life, if you're a mom in your home, if you're a dad in your home, if you're, if you're at school, if you're in business, no matter where you are, God's all called us to some level of leadership. The promise is God will speak to us and he will give us clarity. And then there's a confidence that comes with saying God in his goodness will do amazing things among you. Isn't that powerful? A little bit further on in verse nine, um, sorry, verse seven. And the Lord said to Joshua, today, I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. We know now that the Ark of the Covenant was the very presence of God manifest on the earth in that time. Now we have the presence of God living within us. This is the new covenant we live in. But then the presence of God dwelt in that ark. Just, it was a box. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how much we have in Jesus now, comparatively? So he says, when you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And Joshua said to the Israelites, come here, listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites and all the other ites. Verse 11, see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all of the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. And so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. This is amazing to me because the Jordan River is not always in flood stage. But God brings them in this season to the river in flood season. Why didn't he just wait a few? I mean, they've been in the desert 40 years. He could have just waited a little while longer and bought them when the river wasn't in flood. And what about swimmers? They come to a river in flood and everyone 40 years and younger has been in the desert And has not been near any water. And I guarantee you has no idea how to swim. And they come up to a river. And they say God you've brought us this far. Now what? And I'm convinced that God when he brings us into new seasons. Will always put something in front of us. That seems impossible in the natural. But when we trust him. And he supernaturally makes the way. Our level of trust in him. Our level of thankfulness, our level of courage and strength goes up so that when we get into the next season, guess what? We're ready to possess the land. Isn't that amazing? And that's exactly what he was doing with these people at the time. And so they do this and they end up crossing the Jordan on dry land. Something else I want to point out though, is that they've been at this place before. The Israelites have come up to the Red Sea And they've seen this body of water that they need to get across. And I bet that there's some that go, oh yeah, you know what? I've seen this before. Everyone listen. This is what God's going to do. And the truth of it is that although the result is the same, everything about it was different. Because God didn't do the same thing. The Red Sea parted right in front of them. This time, God stopped the flow of the river in what most scholars have thought was about 20 miles upstream. So there was at least 20 miles of water that needed to flow past before the water actually subsided. So in a sense, they step foot in the water and nothing happens. And yet everything happens because it stopped 20 miles up. God is going to do something that he wants to do. And it's going to be spectacular, but it's not going to be the same every time. He wants to instill a deep trust in him and not in rituals and procedures and what we know about him. We want to know Him and not know about Him. That's the heart of God for taking us into new seasons. So some some keys for us today that I want to wrap up with us in in this time together this morning is, is, often it's the toughest times in life that are the very times that God has committed to us more than ever. His provision, His protection, His clear direction, these things are heightened more than usual. And His glory dwells in us, in us, and through us. And I think we're so much more aware of it than we would normally be. And part of it is because we're just seeking. He hasn't changed. It's going to take courage and it's going to take absolute trust in Him and to move into the new season that He has for you and for us. And I want to encourage us, expect the supernatural. Expect to see impossible things becoming absolutely possible to Him. Expect to see impossible things in front of you. Don't be shocked when you do. A Jordan river in flood is exactly God's plan sometimes. But expect to see Him. And soon there's going to be a time when this season of life we're in is over. And I believe God wants to ask us today, will we embrace what He's doing? Will we embrace? Will we be brave? Will we be strong and courageous? Will we be ready to cross that river when the time is ready? See, they all had to make that decision personally. They had to make that decision as families, and they had to make it as a tribe together. So I want to challenge us all this morning, church family. Are we ready? Are we ready to do what it is that God calls us to personally? Do we see His provision? Do we see our identity in Him and everything that that means? Because God felt at this time they were ready to cross in to take possession of their land. He knew the giants were large. But if they knew that their God was as big as he was and that he was for them and not against them, guess what? The giants paled into insignificance in comparison. He doesn't suggest, he doesn't strongly encourage, but he commands Joshua to be strong and courageous. And by implication, and the words actually said, don't be terrified or discouraged. And I feel that, that God has that same word for us don't be terrified, don't be discouraged. But he commands us, be strong and courageous. A quick story. I grew up in a church and then I walked away. But there was a tangible time in my life when probably for the first time I could really feel the tangible presence of God. And up until then, I really had to admit that Jesus was nothing more than a principle to me than than actually a person. It was the principle of religion and Jesus Rather than the person. And the thing that made the difference for me. Was the presence of God. And I want to recognize something here this morning. Is that God gave Joshua the instruction. To send the priests out into the middle of the river. And they had to stand there for the entirety of the time. That it took about 3 million people to cross into the Jordan. How long does it take for 3 million people to cross a river? And they had to stand there. Holding the Ark of the Covenant. Because the thing is this. In order for the people to cross into their promised land, their first encounter was not with the land. Their first encounter was with Jesus, the person of God. Their first encounter was with the presence of God. And I want to encourage and challenge us that when we step into seasons, our first encounter should be and needs to be the presence of God. He positions himself in such a way that it can be and that it is. But I want to challenge us this morning Will we embrace that for what it is? Will we embrace the presence of God? Will we step in? Will we walk past and acknowledge the presence of God before walking in to our next season? This is incredible to me. This is the the presence of God that changes everything. It's the presence of God that's this bridge to make the, the supernatural become natural to make impossible things possible. That's the bridge. It's the presence of God. Moses knew this so much in Exodus 33 that he says, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we will not go. Do not send us from here. And I pray that that would be our heart's cry in the revelation we carry. Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us from here. We don't want to go. So my challenge for us today is this. Will we embrace this desert season even though it's harsh? Will we embrace it? Will we open our eyes to see God's amazing provision, His amazing love, and His leadership? Another question: Will we cross the Jordan? I think that's a word we all need to hear today. Will we cross the Jordan when we see this flooding river in front of us? Will we embrace the new country? Will we fight the battles that need to be fought? Because just crossing into a new country doesn't mean it's all roses. Crossing into the new country says it's ours. He's giving it to us. But it means taking possession, taking ownership and fighting giants. But if He is for us, who could be against us? Will we continue to trust God from a desert season into a promised land where His provision is is amazing? Will we have a slave or an orphan mentality Or will we boldly step up and step in to being sons and daughters and finding our identity in God himself, our identity in Christ? Will we step up and step in or will we retain orphan mindsets, servant mindsets, slavery mindsets? And that might seem quite harsh in saying that, but I really want to challenge every one of us, I think, to some degree, or other, every single one of us carries some level of wrong mindset and attitude that needs to be submitted to the cross and say, Jesus, I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter. Will we embrace these things this morning? Church family, join me. Let's close our eyes together for a moment. Let's just embrace what God is doing in us and through us. And let's pray and let's give Him the glory. Jesus, we, we acknowledge you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our Father God, we thank you that in the midst of tough times and good times, you are with us, you are for us, you are not against us, you will never leave us or forsake us. And you've commanded us to be strong and courageous. I pray with all my friends this morning that we would receive that command. It's not a good suggestion or a good idea. It's a command from the Father of heaven. As sons and daughters, we say, yes, Lord. I pray, Father, that if there are any orphan or servant mindsets or or slavery mindsets that we've adopted because we haven't believed the truth of who you are and who we are and our identity as sons and daughters, that even right now you will, will speak deeply to the hearts of every one of us this morning that says that we need to make these adjustments, that we need to submit these things to you and come with a right way of responding as sons and daughters with great expectancy. Of impossible things to become possible. With great expectancy that your presence is with us all the time. With great expectancy that our inheritance is not only you, yourself, but it's fully wrapped up in you. So Father, as we come up to Jordan Rivers in our lives, I pray for great courage to step across, to step in, and to step through with your presence before us, in us, and through us. I just bless my friends here this morning. And in the precious name of Jesus, we say thank you and amen.